1: All right. This is the he said, she said segment of the aftermath. And this is Mick, the Doctor of Digital. I'm your host with the co-host, the legislative tiger, Kendra Riber. How are you doing today, Kendra?
2: I'm freezing, Mick. Freezing. Um, yes. As most of our listeners know, you're in California. I'm in Ohio and it's freezing today. Oh my. So I'm all cozy. I got my heater underneath my desk. It's snowing outside. I think Ooh. it's gonna be a bad winter.
1: You'll have to tell me, what is snow exactly? Hey. <laughs> L- liquid sunshine.
2: <laughs> yes. I love the seasons, but winter, if it only lasts like a couple weeks over Christmas, I'm good. It can go away then.
1: <laughs> that is awesome. But yeah, we're probably about 72, I think we are now.
2: I think we're in the 20s. So. In
1: the 20s, that's cool. Like, we'll wake you up in the morning, that's for sure, right?
2: Yes, especially when I go to my 5 a.m. workouts. It really wakes you up.
1: Well, let's see if we can warm things up a little bit here, because we're going to talk about our last special guest, Dr. Finneran, and we got some comments and we'd like to give some feedback on what we thought about what she had said. So she answered questions, which was good too. So if you have questions for the aftermath, please feel free to get hold of us. The healing at gmail.com. Thought she was really interesting. One of the points I wanted to bring up and depends on what you wanted to say too, it's the parental alienation syndrome which she defined. And I thought one of the most interesting things about this, because I had mentioned, this is really what happened to me in my situation. It comes down to the DSM and where they classify you psychologically. And I got a report. My attorney says to me, you're analyzed as a juvenile delinquent. I laughed. She did not. They were serious. I go, I'm like, how can I be a juvenile delinquent? But in any case, the parental alienation syndrome might be into the DSM, which is that psychological evaluation and how people are evaluated.
2: I'm actually glad you brought that up because I did not know what DSM stands for. Do you know what that is?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, don't quote me, but it's something like diagnostic and it has to do with psychological evaluation so that when a counselor or psychiatrist or psychologist examines you and then they classify you at certain things. So you're schizophrenic or what have you. And that was one of the categories that so far the parental alienation syndrome is not in the DSM. But if it's not in there, then in other words, a counselor or a psychiatrist is not going to be able to say this is a real phenomenon because her point was it's not been recognized by the medical community as a syndrome, at least not yet.
2: Yeah, and I think that's good for us to distinguish, too, is the syndrome is actually the medical terminology, but parental alienation can still happen. They just don't have the results from it, from the mental abuse and what happens to a child that goes through it to diagnose it as a syndrome, per se, right now, and the DSM.
1: So If if it's not in there, then it's not recognized. That's the problem.
2: Right. And because it's not recognized, it's not helping us in court as parents. But I want to go back to yours. And I, I, it's yeah. kind of funny. I have fought for trying to get psychological evaluations done for years since mine started. We sure. would get halfway done and then something would happen and all of that. So I've been through some psychological testing, but I never had a diagnosis because we could never get to that point. That's another conversation for another day. But yours was juvenile Delinquent and yes. juvenile because you weren't 16. I was not. And in the delinquency, like what, how do you know how that category is defined? I well, just thought that was very odd for you.
1: Well, that's why I'm saying, yeah, that was odd for me. I thought it was a joke. And I'm sitting across the desk from the attorney and she said, no, the psychiatrist examined you. And that, according to the DSM, is where I would qualify. So All right, I'm not a juvenile, obviously, it's got to be wrong, but I'm delinquent in some way. I think it was an arbitrary category that was just attributed to me in order to alienate me, it's come down to. But one of the next points I was going to make was, see, the custody process is broken. This is part of its brokenness. You have misdiagnoses, and therefore, you're never going to arrive at the truth or anything accurate. As a result of just making these categories, and I think it was just made up, that was the problem.
2: Yes, and I don't know what cost was associated with yours. Every time I hear stories and people going to court, I wish I was in court because we paid $5,000 for a custody evaluation that involved a psychological assessment of the children, myself, and my ex, but that was never taken to court. So that was a psychological evaluation and custody evaluation that I paid for out of pocket that never made it to court, so I'm very interested. Did the judge order yours? I recommended it, and the judge approved it. But was yours court ordered through the judge? And how much was it?
1: I had the distinct pleasure of going through this twice. So, oh my gosh, I, this was in the '90s, so it was pretty pricey. I had to pay for it twice. I believe it was six thousand. So each time, and. What I had done as a strategy was to try to go through the second time because I wasn't happy with the first one, but it didn't matter. The second one was advised by my attorney. And the idea was, and this is exactly what was said I said, Well, how do you know it's going to be a positive evaluation? Literally, what was stated to me was, I donated a large amount to the judge's last campaign. And if you say this publicly, I will deny it. And Mm -hmm that was it. And yet it didn't help. But I thought I was going to have a win coming out of it. So that's why I paid for it twice. But yeah, I believe it was $6,000. I did it not once, but twice.
2: I'm spending some time here and going over our stories and sharing them because I think that's important for our listeners to understand, even though you might get a psychological evaluation granted, it might not be in your favor at all.
1: That is exactly what happened. The first one was chosen by the ex's attorney and so i thought well okay i got slammed because of that and i'm obviously not a juvenile delinquent i've got to do something about this then of course you have a little bit of hope and you think you're going to pay again you get the better attorney you think and the second evaluation it ended up being the second one and if you look at the novel that i wrote about this that was the picture that's on the cover because that came out of the second evaluation and that psychiatrist said that i had too much influence on my child because she had drawn a picture about me holding her as a baby and i'm thinking well if she had drawn a picture of her family with mom holding her she's going to go to mom if she did the wrong thing in opinion it still works against me. It was just, It's a crazy system. The system is broken. And I think that may be what's helpful for people to hear, because I agree with your point. You should know a little bit about our story and why we're doing this in the first place. This is why.
2: Yes. And so that takes us back to the start of our podcast here and talking about the syndrome not being listed in the DSM. So because it's not actually a syndrome, these psychological evaluations are really pointless Whether you get through it like you did or you don't get through it on my end and we wasted all that money and we never got the results or took it to court to be able to use it. So just be aware you're not alone and don't think that you have the answer if you get granted a psychological evaluation, whether it is court ordered. Mine was a request from the judge and they they told us who we were going to use. As the evaluator and then yours is obviously your ex chose one and then you chose one and and it didn't benefit either of us
1: it it doesn't help and this is what i think some of the points that dr michelle had said there are things you need to to document that's another point but she said get somebody who is somewhat objective because i ran into just a whole series of people i found that the counselors could be manipulated as well and the process itself can be manipulated Because one of the points that we talked about in the show was if the person who is the alienating parent continues to alienate, well, that just is a manipulation of the system because then the alienated parent is kept out of the children's lives. Well, then that's the solution as far as the alienator is concerned. I'm going to continue the conflict and I'll keep going because I'm getting my way. I can manipulate the system.
2: Correct. And I think that's so important for people to understand, even though we might have the facts and they say facts speak to the judges. It really depends on your judge, your magistrate, your GAL. I know my GAL, David Maceros, that is known in Dayton. And then the judge, um, which is Denise Cross, neither one of them looked at the facts. They were manipulated by the alienator. And I'm calling them out because they are people that are supposed to be servicing the community and they're not doing it justice and i think it's because they're not looking at the facts they're just allowing themselves to be manipulated by that parent
1: and that's where saying trying to come up with a solution again i said all right how about if you give me 100 legal and physical custody especially physical because mom had taken off of a child more than once i never did so i said well look at the evidence you know i'm not taking the child away and mom can have her anytime she wants just you know make some sort of reasonable accommodation and we're fine and the system says the people involved said no we're not going to do that because they want to continue the conflict because everyone in this system is making money so if you're calling people out they go yeah because let's name these folks because they are not doing their job there are people that are in this situation that go to multiple attorneys, multiple judges, multiple masters, multiple counselors, and still there's no resolution because the system it does not want a solution. It wants a continuing conflict in order for everyone in what I'm calling the custody industry. They're making money. It's money.
2: Yep. And directly to my point in my case right now, right, they're pausing the case for a year so everybody can make money for a year. then. We will reevaluate after a year and again, have another year of probably money. So at that point, you have to make a decision on if it's actually worth it or not. So, but yes, everybody in the custody industry is just making money.
1: And this is, and in the, the meantime, means that whatever your children are experiencing, they're losing the contact that they have. And everybody knows, I'd tell you the same thing if you have a child said, before you know it, you blink, they're 18. So whatever is a part of their upbringing in their childhood, you're missing out on that and they are missing out on it because they're deliberately keeping parent out of the child's life and that child doesn't have the benefit of the two parents, which we've had a show on that. The research is crystal clear. You have to have access to both parents and they benefit from access to both parents.
2: Yes, Correct. Completely agree. And I think bringing us to that point, if you don't have access, they're also not getting the help they need because they are alienated. And I thought one good point that Dr. Michelle brought up, I kept a journal for years of everything that happened. So if our listeners are getting ready to go to court, one of the things you can do, and even before court, right, identifying the behaviors and the patterns of your children, especially when they're learning from the other parent that's doing the alienating, what are their behaviors? How are they acting? And I think even more than just a journal is trying to capture it in video. Whether you have cameras up within your house, whether you have cameras outside, whether you capture it on your phone, having video evidence of their behaviors is absolutely so important to have in court.
1: It's uh, having the documentation is really critical. If you can get an objective person a third party person or on camera too that you can hear and understand because at the time when they weren't all that common to have outside cameras that were coming about but yes it would have been crazy to catch some of the wild things that happen at the 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 switchover times because it was crazy and wild i had the car up on the lawn drove the car up on the lawn took the child i'm like you know folks that would have been a great to have on a camera and say, I'm trying to explain you. This person is not quite there. There's something mentally wrong, which I could see and observe. But as one of those conflicting parents, they're interpreting me as making these things up or making these stories up, which was not, in fact, true because it did actually happen. I just wish I had it on tape.
2: Yes, yes, I agree. So anything else you have, Mick, from Dr. Michelle, you want to bring up?
1: I had other things I wondered if you were going to mention, because one of the questions was the different behaviors that happen based on what, what the person is going through. So there's mental health issues. There are basic child behaviors, depression, anxiety. Then there was a second category, behavioral issues, impulsive, delinquent behavior. Third was academic issues risk taking, chemical, sexually active early. I mean, there are certain phenomenon that are associated with this syndrome, which you know, I think you gotta recognize it is a syndrome, and these are things to contend with. Plus also a valid point that she made was, if not resolved, of course, these things are gonna crop up as adults. And then therefore, if they are not resolved and taken care of as a child, they're going to come back up. So for the child who is in this situation, They also need to be aware of it and attempt to take care of it themselves, or it's going to trouble them in life.
2: Yes. And I think that's so sad because the children get the help they need and might turn to substance abuse or whatever it might be. And when they do that, I don't know if they have a full understanding of why they're doing that and the history connected to it. So I think it's things that we need to be aware of as parents. If our children are going through a divorce with us and be aware and looking for those behaviors. Good point, the, Nick. The
1: positive thing, if anything, is the fact that if the person has been alienated, that sometimes the court will take that into consideration and provide the alienated parent more time. So that was a, a point that you made, and I mean, that's a hopeful one that, yeah, I'd like that to happen if you have the documentation, if you have evidence that's on tape or things of that nature. So that all is very helpful as well to know.
2: Yes, I think the main point there is get into court if you can. That's been my frustration. But then other people say they get into court and it goes the wrong way, and they're you know it's it's not seen. And again, that brings us back, Mick, to the whole point: the system's broken, and that's why we're doing this.
1: And another hopeful point, again, to say what you can do because we want to give the healing and the helpful points as well is that people should look for a support group. And I know what happens for most of us because you get a crazy and wild story and that's all you seem to talk about. You're in pain because you're missing your children. And so friends and family tend to tune you out, but it's really important to find some type of support group who is going to accept the fact that you're saying things that you are in pain and you're like a broken record keep saying the same thing. However, because of your situation is ongoing and it is not resolved quickly you are going to be in this situation for a considerable amount of time okay if we're going to kind of wrap up we got to make sure that everyone identifies you and knows that you're the legislative tiger so i appreciate you calling people out and that's what i'm calling you because the person who's in this situation and can do something about it that is really awesome so if people are listening hopefully you're enjoying the episodes that we're presenting Make sure that you're liking, subscribing, sharing, positively reviewing the aftermath. Anything else that you want to add before we end today, Kendra?
2: Just know you're not alone.
1: Absolutely. So if you do have questions and have comments and reactions to the show, we'd love that as well. And that is at theaftermathhealing at gmail.com. Until next time, Dr. Digital, Mick, and the legislative tiger, Kendra, we'll see you next time.
2: See you next time.